Father, your word is the word of life. Your word is sweeter than honey and it brings joy to the soul. And in your word, you have promised that when your people gather together, you will be with us. And you have also promised that in your presence, where you are at, there is fullness of joy. And so I pray this morning that you speak to us through your word so that we can experience your fullness of joy. Give us hearts that delight in you, that find our joy in you, and that are satisfied into you, in you. Speak to us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. The movie The Pursuit of Happiness is based on a true story, and it's about one man's pursuit of happiness. And in the movie, the main character, played by Will Smith, one of my favorite actors, he goes through struggle after struggle as he tries to find joy and as he tries to find happiness. His struggles begin with finances, which then leads to problems with his wife, and they start fighting. Eventually, they separate, and his wife is unable to take care of their five-year-old son, and so he has to care for the five-year-old son on his own. Eventually, they get evicted from their apartment, and it shows them going from homeless shelter to homeless shelter to homeless shelter, day after day after day. And one of the most gut-wrenching scenes in the whole movie is one night when they don't have a place to stay, they have to sleep in a public bathroom. And the scene, like, I can't help but cry when I see this scene because he's in the bathroom, he has paper, paper, paper towels on the ground, and he's sitting there holding his five-year-old son who's sleeping in his lap, and he's just crying because he knows that he has nowhere else to go when someone is knocking on the door because it's a public bathroom. And for him, it's just one thing after another, after another, and after another. And he's fighting so hard to find joy and happiness. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like no matter what you do, no matter where you turn to, you cannot find joy or happiness? I think if we're honest, we've all felt that way before. And even as we look at the scriptures, the Israelites in the Old Testament felt that way many times. There were times when they cried out together, How long, O Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will my heart be filled with bitterness all day long? But there were also times in the Old Testament where the Lord turned their mourning into joy as they experienced true delight in the presence of God. And this joy is true for our psalm this morning. This morning we are in Psalm 98, so if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn there with me. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. we got our strike team coming down. They'll hand out a Bible to you again. We are in Psalm 98. Psalm 98 is a psalm of pure joy and celebration. In fact, the song Joy to the World 
is based on Psalm 98. And this psalm, it looks back to the past at all of the marvelous things that God has done to his people and for his people. And it also looks forward with joyful anticipation to the future when God will restore all things and his kingdom will be fully established on earth. And as it looks back on what God has done and as it looks forward to what God will do, the psalmist tells us that we can find joy and delight in God right now. Let's look at this psalm together. Again, Psalm 98. Psalm 98. A psalm, which is my favorite title of all the psalms. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the Word of God, which is sweeter than honey and brings joy to our souls. This morning I have two points that I want us to look at. First, we can delight in the Lord because of what He has done, verses 1 through 3. And second, we can delight in the Lord because of what He will do. So we're going to look back at the past, what God has done, and we're going to look at the future, what God will do. And because of those two things, we can delight in the Lord right now. So first point this morning, we can delight in the Lord because of what he has done. The psalm begins, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. The new song that we are commanded to sing is rooted in a victory, in a celebration of what God has done for his people. If you look at the text, it says, Sing to the Lord a new song for. Now the word for... It's only three letters, but it's really important because it brings out the reason for singing a new song. The reason for singing a new song is that the Lord has done marvelous things. Now, the marvelous things that the psalmist is referring to is everything that the Lord has done to redeem his people. And there's examples and illustrations of this throughout the Old Testament. The Lord called a dude named Abraham from a pagan land and he promised that in him, he would be a great nation and all the families of the earth would be blessed. And about 400 years later, because he remembered his promise to Abraham, the Lord raised up a dude named Moses to deliver his people from the Egyptians. And throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over again, we see the Lord's faithfulness in redeeming his people despite the people's faithlessness. Now, as the psalm continues and it, it looks back to what God has done, it moves and causes us 
to move our worship from what he has done to who he is. He is the Redeemer God. And his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Now, when you see the right hand and holy arm, that just refers to the Lord's strength in his power. Have you ever heard anybody use the line, have you seen my beach ball? It's about this big. Grant Morgan, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. People use that line to show how jacked someone's arms are. You know what I mean? Benji, you know what I'm talking about, right? But can you imagine how jacked the arm of the Lord is? I'm serious. He is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. And in His power, He has worked salvation for His people. In His strength, He took a man named Abraham and a barren wife and made them into a great nation. In His power, He used a man named Moses to part the Red Sea to save His people from the hand of slavery. He is all-powerful. And He has worked salvation for His people. But he has not only worked salvation for his people, he has made his salvation known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Now in this context, the word for righteousness just means the Lord's loyalty to his people that has been proved by his redeeming and marvelous acts. And in his marvelous works of redemption throughout the Old Testament, he has not only delivered his people, he has made his glory and his power and his righteousness known to all the earth. It's as if the Lord is saying, hey, have you seen my beach ball? It's about the size of the universe because I am all powerful. The whole world has seen the strength and the power and the might of God because the universe is his beach ball. And he has delivered his people so that everyone in the world can see that he is the redeeming, all-powerful king. And as we dive deeper into this psalm, we can see the Lord's motivation behind his display of his salvation. And his motivation is his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Now these two words are used all the time in the Old Testament. And here it says that he has remembered them. These two words describe the Lord's covenantal love and his covenantal faithfulness. The Lord's covenantal love can be summed up in his promise that he has promised to be with his people. He wants to be with his people. That is his covenantal love. And his covenantal faithfulness is his promise to be faithful to save and to be faithful to judge. And the Lord saves his people because of his covenantal love. Because of his promise to be with his people, he has to deliver them from their sin. A perfect illustration of this is found in Exodus 2. And it's very possible that the psalmist here is referring back to this text. Now in Exodus 2, this is right before uh, the Lord delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians. And this gives the reason why the Lord delivers Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. Exodus two twenty three through 25. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, 
And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And what did he do? God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. The motivation for God delivering his people is his covenantal love. He has promised to be faithful to his people, and he has promised to be with his people, and he will make that happen no matter what happens. His promise and his covenantal love is not based on anything that his people do. It is based on his covenantal love and faithfulness. Looking at this from another direction, the powerlessness and helplessness of God's people proclaims and shouts the glory and power of the Lord. And in these glorious acts of salvation, all the ends of the earth have seen the power, glory, and righteousness of God. In all of these glorious acts of salvation in the Old Testament, they're all pointing forward to something. All of the marvelous things, all of the Lord's power and his might, all of the righteousness that the Lord has made known, all of his covenantal love, all of his covenantal faithfulness that he has remembered finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. My friends, sing to the Lord a new song because out of his covenantal love, he has done marvelous things. The all-powerful one emptied himself by becoming a man. Jesus Christ revealed the righteousness of God as he appeased God's wrath on the cross so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. And he has declared and shown the power of God by conquering death. And he ascended into heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of God as the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the glorious good news of the marvelous things that God has done for his people. And if you are in Christ, this is the glorious good news of what God has done for you. But it's so easy for us to tune out this good news. Because maybe we've heard it a thousand times before. It's so easy for us to forget this good news because life is so overwhelming. But it is so essential for us to remember what God has done for us in the past so that we can find joy in him right now. In other words, we cannot delight in God now if we have forgot what he has done in the past. When are you prone to tune out or forget what God has done for you in Jesus Christ? My friends, let me remind you that Jesus Christ satisfied God's wrath so that in him you can be satisfied. Let me remind you that Jesus Christ became sorrowful to the point of death so that in him you can find true joy. Let me remind you that it delighted God to crush his son so that in him you can find delight. Delight in God. 
If you are a Christian, it is your duty. It is a command to delight in God. And if you are in Christ, I know that God delights in you because of what he has done for you. He loves you and gave himself up for you so that you can love him. God delights in you so that you can delight in him. John Piper sums this up well, and this is basically his mission statement. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We delight in the Lord because of what he has done. We can also delight in the Lord because of what he will do. So second point this morning is we can delight in the Lord because of what he will do. The psalm continues in verse 4 with a command. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. The command in verse 4 is given to all the earth. And if we connect this with verse 3, which we should, we know that all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. In other words, all those who have seen the salvation of God, which is all the ends of the earth, the earth are to make a joyful noise to him. <clears throat> what does it mean to make a joyful noise? To make a joyful noise means to rejoice. It means to cheer. It means to shout in triumph. And it is a God-glorifying response to what God has done for us in Christ. But it's not the only God-glorifying response that we are to have to what God has done. Verses 4 through 6 are full of commands. Look at this text with me. Make a joyful noise. Break forth into joyous song. Now, break forth into joyous song is actually two commands in the original language. Break forth is literally a command to be happy. It's a command to be happy. Joyous song is actually a command to sing for joy. So the psalmist is saying, command, be happy. Command, sing for joy. And then the psalmist continues, sing praises. Verse 5, sing praises. And then again, verse 6, make a joyful noise. All of these commands tell us how we are to respond to what God has done. And all of these must come from the heart. You can't make a joyful noise to the Lord unless it comes from the heart. You can't be happy and sing for joy unless it comes from the heart. In other words, delighting in God at a heart level will overflow into singing praises, into singing for joy, into making a joyful noise. And so the command for us at the heart level is to delight in God. Delight in God. To delight in God means to make him the object of your delight and joy. The object of your delight is what you find joy in. What is the object of your joy? If we go back to the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, the main character's object of delight was money. 
And so his pursuit was his pursuit of happiness was a passionate pursuit of money. And you know what? He successfully found what he was looking for. That dude in real life is worth about $60 million. But do you think that he has found true and lasting happiness? Yes, there is the reality that he temporarily relieved some of his struggles. But I can guarantee that deep down in his soul, he is still in the pursuit of happiness. And that's why $60 million for him is not enough. He's still pursuing it. But the reality is that there is no true and lasting joy outside of Jesus Christ. Nothing in this world will bring you true and lasting joy. Not money, not a career, not even your families or marriage, not even March Madness. Even though the games were really good last night, if you're into that. But we will only find true and lasting joy if we delight ourselves in God. Because only in the presence of God is there fullness of joy. And so our pursuit of happiness is a passionate pursuit after God. Our pursuit of happiness is a passionate pursuit after God. This is why we are commanded to delight in Him as the most beautiful and praiseworthy. Because He is. This is why we are commanded to delight in Him as the lover of our souls. Because He does. This is why we are commanded to delight in Him as the giver of every good and perfect gift. Again, John Piper says it well. He says, All through the day... Every good thing that gives us pleasure should be an instance of delighting in God. All through the day, every good thing that gives us pleasure should be an instance of delighting in God. Do you delight in God? Do you enjoy Him? God is commanding us to find our joy in Him. And there are times when we don't feel it, right? And those times when we don't feel it, we have to fight for joy. How do we fight for joy? We fight for joy by focusing on the object of our joy. And that is exactly why this psalm is so joyful. The psalm is rejoicing In the Lord, the object of the joy and the delight and the happiness of the psalmist is in the Lord. Look at this. Verse 1, sing to the Lord. Verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Verse 5, sing praises to the Lord. Verse 6, make a joyful noise before who? The King, the Lord. The end of verse 8, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. The object of our singing and the object of our joy and our delight is the Lord. And the more we focus on Him, the more we focus on the object of our joy, the more our joy will grow. Do you have a lack of joy? That might be because you don't know the object of your joy well enough. It might be that you have tuned out the object of your joy. 
It might be that you have forgot that he is your true joy and delight. To paraphrase Art Azurdia, when your view of Jesus Christ becomes progressively bigger, or better yet, when your view of who he is progressively conforms to reality, your joy will become increasingly greater. But how does that happen? It happens by immersing yourself in the joy-arousing Word of God. Because the same powerful Word of God that brought creation into life is the same Word that if you are a Christian has brought you into life and can furnish you with a joy that is truly and authentically real. And God's Word for us this morning tells us that there is joy in the truth that the Lord is King. There is great joy in the truth that Yahweh Malak, the Lord, is King. He is the sovereign ruler of the entire universe. And in His sovereignty, He has decided to save sinners like you and me by experiencing the greatest moment of misery in the world on the cross so that in Him we can experience the fullness of joy in His presence. Oh, what a King that we have! What else can we do other than sing praises and be joyful and delight in Him? But not only... Does our king bring us joy? He brings joy to his entire creation. Look at verses 7 through 9 with me. Let the sea roar, or literally celebrate. Let the sea celebrate in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The rejoicing of all the animals and all the plants and all the sea and all of the earth is just a poetic description of the entirety of the Lord's creation. And what is the object of the joy of the entirety of the Lord's creation? It is the Lord Himself. All creation echoes the joy of God's people. Our joy as we wait with joyful expectation for the second coming of our great King. Because when King Jesus comes back, He will fully establish His dominion over the created world with righteousness and equity. He will judge the entire earth according to His perfect standard of righteousness and with perfect fairness. And all of those who are found without faith in Christ will be justly thrown into the eternal lake of fire, where there will be the opposite of joy for all of eternity. But everyone who has put their faith in Christ will experience the fullness of joy and the fullness of God's presence in the new creation for all of eternity. Because when the King comes back, yes, He's going to judge His people But he's going to judge them as he judges Jesus Christ. Perfect and spotless and without blame. This is how God sees you if you are in Christ. And because of his perfect and flawless judgment on all of creation and on us, he's going to destroy sin. In other words, he's going to make all things new. And this is why creation is rejoicing at the coming of the king. 
Because all of creation will be restored to its perfect, sinless, pre-fall state. But not only is creation groaning and rejoicing and finding joy in the truth that the Lord will come back because of that great restoration, His people, if you are in Christ, you will be restored to a place of true and perfect and eternal joy. Think about that. If you are in Christ, there will be no more misery There will be no more bitterness, no more frustration, no more sadness, because there will be no more sin. There will be no more pursuit of happiness, because we will be in the presence of happiness and joy itself. We will be filled for eternity with complete delight and contentment and satisfaction, because we will be face to face with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord is coming. Amen? This is what we as God's people have to look forward to in Jesus Christ. What a glorious day that will be. So when we look back to the past and see what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we know throughout the history of creation that God has never been unfaithful to his covenantal love. And because of that, we can look forward with joyful anticipation knowing that God will always be faithful to his covenantal love. And what that means is that as we look back to the past and as we look forward to the future, we can find complete joy in Christ right now. Because we know without a shadow of a doubt of his covenantal love for his people, that he has promised that we will be in his presence. In the past and the future is enough for joy now because we know that He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And His good work in us is a work that has been filled with joy, that is filled with joy, and that will be filled with joy. So my friends, delight in God because of what He has done. And delight in God because of what he will do. Let's pray. We thank you, O Lord, that in your presence is the fullness of joy and that your presence is the promise of your covenantal love and that as we look back on what you have done, you have never been unfaithful to your covenantal love. That you have always and you will always bring your people into your presence. And so God, I pray for all of us who are in here. That we look to you for our joy. Because we know that through Christ, you are with us. And if you are with us, that means we have your joy. But God, there are times when life is hard. There are times when we forget. There are times when we tune you out. Forgive us for our sin and restore us to your presence and give us hearts that long to delight in you. And I pray, Lord, that as we wait for that perfect day when we will get to see you face to face, give us joy deep down in our soul and in our bones as we wait for you. 
We pray this in Christ's name, and we wait. Amen.